Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. He turned down a two-year, $103 million extension. Trade him, trade him. We won't win the championship. Just poor, poor, poor judgment for a grown man. When this is all said and done, James Harden and Russell Westbrook will still be Houston Rockets. Nobody in their right minds is doing that deal. So, no, that ain't happening. This ain't Bill O'Brien. I wish he had been the head coach this past week still of the Texans. Because after that play, I would have fired him. No, we about to make this work. Give me any four guys you want to give me to roll out there with. We about to win games. Episode 200 is coming up. You've come pretty close to destroying some property, too, so I mean. Well, we I won't say work. that. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh, mama, there goes that man. Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition, not just another edition, a unique edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you are aboard for episode 200 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Now, what does that mean? That means I haven't had 200 full episodes per se, but I have had specials and briefcasts and all of those things to uh, total up a number that comes to 200 products for your consumption. So uh, this is going to be not what I intended it to be as a 200th uh, episode. I think that's worthy of celebration. I I I guess you can question how much you are supposed to celebrate something like that, but I think it's worth celebrating 200. And I want to get your thoughts on that as well. I want to tell you a couple things first, because this will not be, this is a rushed edition of the podcast because I have not been feeling well. I don't have COVID, but I had real bad allergies and I had to take allergy medicine or either I had like a, a brief cold and maybe I probably should go get tested. But I, I've never, I've not been anywhere. I haven't been anywhere to be exposed. So I don't know. I bet I haven't been anywhere to be exposed to a cold either. But either way, for two or three days, I was kind of uh, groggy more from the medicine than the the sneezing itself. I, I told you guys last time out, I was looking up ragweed reports and, and allergy reports. But I am feeling better. And lo and behold, a lot of time got away from me because I was just I wasn't feeling great. And so I wanted to rush and get this out to you guys before kickoff on Sunday. So I may not have everything. I don't know what we'll have, but let's get to it. Uh, I want to remind you guys, go to wagewordproductions.com. Call the sports line at 832-941-6614. I know, hey, I've put that out there enough for you guys to memorize it. I've been told so. And also... The Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook and at Wade's Word on Twitter. So uh, we'll see what we can come up with. So let's get started with a few, just a few. Oh, well, let me tell you this. Also, what we do for sure have coming up is a conversation with former NBA player, former uh, Los Angeles Clipper, former basketball player from around the world. He played all over the world, uh, Daniel Ewing. And uh, we talked to him and got his take on some basketball stuff. So we'll do some. Good day. Who's going to have a good day on Sunday? And we will definitely have that conversation with him. Everything else is up in the air. We're under immense time constraints. So let's see how we do. Let's get started with a few headlines. In headlines, a number of things going on. I mean, the NFL is going to be a great weekend in the NFL because there's so many games that could go either way. We look at a situation where the New Orleans Saints, they are starting, at least they say so, they're starting Taysom Hill and for a injured Drew Brees who broke, now they say, 11 ribs. 11 ribs. And they passed over Jameis Winston, and that's been a a constant uh, sort of topic of conversation on KTSU Sports Talk, and a lot of people are talking on social media. I think this is more gimmick than not, because I think when it's all said and done, I really think that Jameis Winston will get the majority of the snaps at quarterback. And if that does not happen, if that does not happen, I don't know what that means for the New Orleans Saints, because I cannot believe that Taysom Hill 
is a guy that is going to be a successful starting quarterback for any length of time in the NFL. Now, I know Eddie Robinson, he believes in him. So we'll have to see. That's coming up. So that game can go either way, if you ask me. Another game that can go either way, although with some injury, or not injuries, but COVID uh, considerations, Duke Johnson may not be playing today for Houston, and also Laramie Tunzel may not be playing. But New England comes to town. They get Sonny Michelle back, and that running game uh, is going to have a good day. And that's a preview of what we have coming up. You look at Green Bay, Indianapolis. That's an intriguing matchup. Dallas at Minnesota, I mean, not intriguing so much, but I think Minnesota can get that win. Philadelphia at Cleveland without Miles Garrett. Interesting matchup. Cincinnati at Washington. Interesting matchup. Detroit at Carolina, maybe no Teddy Bridgewater. Interesting matchup. And I think the most intriguing two matchups, I think, are Tennessee at Baltimore. Last year with Tennessee just ran rough shot over Baltimore. Baltimore coming off a loss to New England in a uh, mini monsoon, as we talked about earlier this week. And also the other matchup, the Rams at Tampa Bay. See, a lot of these teams, they aren't what we think they are, and thus we have a lot of parity outside of the fact that I think Kansas City is head and shoulders above everybody else. And I also think Pittsburgh, 9-0 on the season, I mean, they're head and shoulders above everyone else as far as uh, their record and how they've been, uh, they've been playing. They go to Jacksonville today, so that's in the news. On the NBA side of things, and now we went, I went, oh, and, and this, is, this is a product of me really not knowing intimately the structure, the payroll structure of certain teams in the NBA and how much money is out there for these guys. So I was critical of James Harden for not taking the two-year $103 million extension on the Rockets. They're like, how can you turn that money down? Okay, but this is slightly different. But a guy in Gordon Hayward who played for the Boston Celtics and had a catastrophic injury, came back from that, and there's a, you know, he's back. Maybe not pre-injury, but he's back. He's, he's, a, he's a really, really good player in this league. He had one year, $34 million left on his deal, player option. He opted out. And I'm like, man, I don't what are you what you what, what are you doing? That's 34 million. It's hard to say, hey man, I'm just gonna I have a guaranteed 34 million in the bank. I'm gonna leave that where it is. Well, a couple days later, he signs for 120 million dollars. So he's getting, you know, another additional 90 million dollars out of that deal. So, you know, I mean, it's just amazing how much money is in the NBA. He goes to the Charlotte Hornets. Unbelievable amount of money. And the Lakers, the Lakers have gotten better. Montrez Harrell goes there. So what do the Clippers do in response? They sign Serge Ibaka to Fred Van Fleet. Uh, re-signs with Toronto. There's a, a lot of movement around the NBA, and we'll be talking about that for a, a long time to come. I had an opportunity to talk to Daniel Ewing right after the draft. So it's been a couple days. So some of these developments hadn't taken place at the time of uh, our interview. But still, a lot of insight and a, a lot of conversation around the NBA. So if you are an NBA person, you definitely want to get into that. With that, I am going to go and play another edition of Why We Kneel. Our very own Kalina does these, and uh, they pay tribute to those who have been victims of uh, police violence and social and racial injustice. Folks that whose names we know and a lot of folks march for, and a lot of people uh, continue to uh, boycott. It's important because, again, this does bleed into the world of sports. We talk about it all the time. But with that, here's Kalina with another edition of Why We Kneel. Feeling the chilling moments that led to a police officer shooting me. Ultimately, is to bring awareness and make people... Colin Kaepernick kneeling to protest social injustice and police... Yet unsigned by any NFL team. He's fired. He's fired! Why We Kneel. On August 11, 2014, in Los Angeles, California, Izell Ford was stopped by officers Charlton Wampler and Antonio Villegas for an investigative stop. The officers claimed they suspected Ford may have been armed because of the area's gang activity. They claimed to have seen Ford conceal his hands when they attempted to stop him, and that he crouched between a car and some bushes 
leading them to believe Ford was trying to dispose of drugs. Wampler and Villegas claimed Ford began a physical altercation with the officers and attempted to remove one of their guns from the holster. Ford fell on one of the officers, and the other shot Ford in the arm and side. Still resisting, Officer Wampler shot Ford in the back. He was then handcuffed. Alternative witnesses dispute these claims, stating Ford's arms were raised, was instead tackled to the ground by the officers, and shot three times. Ford was taken to the hospital, underwent surgery, and was pronounced dead. The entire altercation took 13 seconds. In June of 2015, the Board of Police Commissioners found officers Wampler and Villegas justified in the shooting, but not justified in initial suspicion or tactics. Ford's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the LAPD in March 2015 and settled for $1.5 million. Officers Wampler and Villegas did not face criminal charges in connection with the shootings. Izell was the oldest of seven children, often kept to himself and was diagnosed with several mental health disorders. He was 25 years old, and he is why we kneel. Content, go to WaysWordProductions.com. As always, want to thank Kalina for that contribution. And if you have any feedback on that, hit us up 832 941 6614. That's 832 941 6614. Going to go to, uh, I'm going to tell you who's going to have a good day, but let's always like, I always like to be accountable for what I told you guys last week. And so last week, let's go over what we did and the teams and the players that I predicted that would have a good day. I picked Green Bay. Over Jacksonville. Check. I picked Baltimore over New England. And in a, a, a rainstorm, Lamar Jackson just couldn't get it done. And New England started to look good. They ran the ball well. And I was wrong about that one. The Raiders over Denver. Check. Seattle over the Rams. And the guy I've been touting for a long time. He's rebounded. He rebounded in a big way on Thursday night with a big game and a big victory over the Arizona Cardinals. But last Sunday, I got it wrong. I picked the Seattle Seahawks over the Rams. That was wrong. And in my upset special, I had Houston over Cleveland. And nah, it just it didn't happen. And it was, it was a crazy game. Weather played a factor. Uh, but more importantly, just inept offense uh, was a part of it as well. So for the season... I have 32 and a half wins as it pertains to teams and 12 and a half losses. In my upset specials, I am five and four on the season. When it comes to players, last week I had Deshaun Watson. He led the game in passing with 163 yards, but that was not a good day, so that was wrong. Robert Woods, he only had five catches for 33 yards. I was wrong about that one. I had Kareem Hunt. I said he would have a good day. He did. 19 carries, 104 yards. That was a pretty good day. Russell Wilson, again, I've been riding that horse all season long, but he had two interceptions. I mean, look, going into Thursday night's game, he had had 10 turnovers in three games. So he got that corrected Thursday night. So good day for him Thursday night, but not last Sunday. So I was wrong about that. And I had Jared Goff who was 27-37, 302 yards. Uh, he had a good day. So on the season, on the week, I was 2-3. and three, And on the season, when it comes to players having a good day, I am 26-18. and 18. That's the past. Let's see who is going to have a good day today. When talking about teams that are going to have a good day, you have to start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They will remain undefeated 10-0 after beating the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mike Tomlin said he did not want to overlook the Jags. I don't think they will. They will have a good day. The Minnesota Vikings, Mike Zimmer should have been fired. Instead, they rebounded in a big way. They will win. Dalvin Cook will get off versus Dallas. They will have a good day. You can blame the Raiders bus driver. Last time the Raiders beat the Kansas City Chiefs, they did a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium. Well, 
Well, hey, KC is not going for that. And after 10 defensive players were held out of practice this week because of COVID concerns, Kansas City will blow them out and they will have a good day. I have a couple of upset specials for you this time out. I think the Atlanta Falcons will beat Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston at quarterback. I think that is a big-time rivalry game. Atlanta and Matt Ryan will have a good day. And finally, when it comes to teams, another upset special, the Tennessee Titans. Hey, they did it in the divisional round of the playoffs last year. They will do it again. They will jump all over Baltimore. They will have a good day. When you're talking about players who are going to have a good day, this is the running back edition because let's start with Miles Sanders for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's healthy. He's getting better and better. He runs up against a Miles Garrettless Cleveland Browns defense. He will have a good day. Derrick Henry did it once in a big way. He's running the ball really, really well for the Tennessee Titans. He will run over Baltimore again. He will have a good day. Dalvin Cook is the baddest man in the NFL as it pertains to running backs. He will dominate Dallas, one of the worst run defenses in the league. He, of course, will have a good day. Damian Harris had a big day last Sunday, 22 carries for 121 yards. That was last week. This week versus the Texans' woeful rush defense, he will have a good day. And finally, hey, one quarterback in this mix, that's Justin Herbert. Justin will take on the New York Jets. The Jets are horrible, although the defense is deceptively decent. But Justin Herbert, a rookie quarterback, will have a good day. All of those teams and all of those players are going to have a good day. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. With that, going to take a time out. Hear a word from our sponsor, Cobank Homes, and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And then on the other side, we'll have a conversation with former NBA player, former pro basketball player, Daniel Ewing. This is Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. In the mix, our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. You definitely want to check him out on SoundCloud and on Instagram. Or if you're around Houston, look for his events. He does it big in a big way. We certainly appreciate him. Um, With that, I want to get into... Uh, oh, what? Let me do this first. Let me remind you guys that if you want your music heard on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, just email us, music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an extended portion of a mix or a whole entire track at the end of the podcast. The genre does not matter. What's important is that you have it relatively radio edit. Is that That's fair enough, right? It's fair enough. Hey, coming up now, our conversation with former NBA player. We had this conversation a couple days ago. Uh, again, I've been a little under the weather, so I didn't get this up in time, but we got it up now. Here is our conversation with Daniel Ewing. For more content, go to wadewordproductions.com. 
You happen to be on episode 200. This is episode 200 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I've done 200 of these things. So, yeah, I've been in it for a minute. And, uh, yeah, this is a big day for me and big episode. So we are certainly glad to have you aboard. And the reason why I wanted to have you aboard is because, of course, you're a profes- former professional basketball player. Although, I don't, you never said if you officially retired yet. Are you officially <laughs> retired? Yeah, I'm officially retired. Okay, man. you're officially retired. I, I know a couple times we talked and said, well, let's see what happens if the phone rings. And then, of course, COVID hit, and I'm sure that that has some influence as well. You, because of your basketball expertise, I want to ask you about the chaos going on with the Houston Rockets, or seeming chaos. Looks like James Harden wants to go to Brooklyn. Russell Westbrook wants out. What are your thoughts on both of those guys wanting to leave the Houston Rockets? I mean, it just kind of shows you, you know, the kind of the disarray that's going on with the organization right now. You know, both guys has expressed that, you know, they're not happy with, with the way communications was communicated to them based on the decisions that had been made about the new coach and, and maybe, you know, the new GM taking over. Or Daryl Morey leaving, you know, so we don't, I mean, we don't know all the facts. But the one thing about the Rockets, the organization, is that the ball is in their hands. These guys don't have a no trade clause in their contract, so technically the Rockets don't have to trade these guys, you know, until they're ready or until they see, you know, what they want back from these teams that they're talking to. In your travels, have you heard anything about Steven Silas? Do you know anything about him as a coach? I mean, or as an assistant throughout his years in the league? Have you are you familiar with him at all? Uh, I'm familiar with him, you know, of knowing his name and knowing he. I mean, he's been around the league for two decades, so I mean, of course, we know his father. Paul Salas, I mean, he's he's been he's been assistant coach for two decades, so he has the experience. Uh, I think he's well liked and, and you know real respected around the league. Just a matter of you know him being able to prove that he's deserving of this opportunity, which I think he is deserving. He's paid his dues, so it's just a matter of him you know going out and and showing that he's he's capable of being a good head coach. Only time will tell. And I ask that because is he a guy that can mend fences with these superstars? Can this toothpaste be put back in the tube can they fix this because i know we've seen a couple of examples where a large one at one time wanted to be traded they go on to win a couple championships after they work it out kobe wanted to be traded came close to being traded at one point they put their differences aside and went on to win a championship or two can this be put back together can harden be pacified uh, i i don't I, I don't think so and I say that based on the recent information that came out about Harden turning down the fifty million, the the hundred some million dollar deal over the next two year, you know, extension. And so, if a guy turned down fifty million a year, he's saying he's pretty serious about not, you know, not wanting to be a part of part of this thing anymore. Which I, this is why I have a hard time, and I don't know if any of us can understand, but maybe you can get your get your thoughts on this. If you're James Harden, this is your town, your organization. Everything kind of runs through you. We've seen coaches leave because of you. I mean, or, or run off. Kevin McHale run off because of you. We've seen uh, you not being able to play with Dwight Howard and Chris Paul. And now you got a situation where, hey man, you had you wanted Russell Westbrook. You got what Russell Westbrook. What else can you want if you? Uh, I mean, I don't understand what he thinks he wants, and can he play? a secondary or third option role on a team like Brooklyn? Well, I mean, that's that's to be determined. Uh, that would be the most interesting thing about if he actually gets traded to Brooklyn, right? And when you have a you have a new big three, the whole interesting thing about that was who would be willing to sacrifice and play second fiddle because that's what it's going to take for that situation to ultimately work for those guys if they all join together. Like two guys are going to have to willingly sacrifice and say, okay, I, I'm cool with being Robin. And I'm cool with being the third wheel. But, yeah, so that's yet to be determined. But, I mean, I, like I said, I think, like I said, I think it shows Harden's desire to really want to win a championship. The fact that he's saying, hey, man, look, I've done all I think I can do here in Houston. I don't like the way – I don't like the direction the new things are going. You know, the money's not going to do it. You know, like, like the money's not going to pacify it. It's not about the money. I want to win. So I think, you know, it's best for me to, to, try, to, to try to get up out of here. So I'm going to let you put your GM hat on for a minute. If you did try to work out a deal with Brooklyn, because, I mean, ultimately, I don't think it's going to work with them. But just say you're the GM. What would you want in return? And this goes for any team, but primarily Brooklyn. What would you want in return for a guy like James Harden? If we just specifically talking about the Rockets and Brooklyn making a deal, 
the only way I see this deal working is if Kyrie Irving is adding to the deal for James Harden and extra guy. You know what I'm saying? Kyrie Irving, a couple of other guys, and some picks. It can't happen with what we've heard that's already supposed to be out there that's been offered from Brooklyn. That's not going to get it done. So if I'm giving up James Harden, I need a full house back. I mean, we just saw the last couple of days guys like Drew Holiday and Robert Covington got traded for two and three first-round picks. Now, if those type of capital pairs are getting traded and the teams are receiving, like, come on, James Harden, I need a full house. I need a full boat, you know, if I'm giving up James Harden. So, yeah, I think that's for Brooklyn and the Rockets to make a deal, which, like, I'm with you. I don't think it happens because I don't I don't see Brooklyn giving up. I don't see Brooklyn giving up a guy like Kyrie Irving and make the deal work. Wouldn't it be funny, though, for Kyrie to kind of orchestrate this and they get in cahoots with Kevin Durant to to build this team and then all of a sudden he's not a part of it? I, I don't think Brooklyn would do that, but that would be something that those guys did. <laughs> all of that and never played a, a, a quarter of basketball together. That would be funny. Yeah, that that would man, that yeah, that that would be that would be pretty funny. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't it wouldn't be funny on Kyrie's end, but that would be that would be some that would be something. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, now I'm gonna get you to put your GM hat on to repair the Rockets. Okay, so now you have your two big stars, two of the biggest stars in the NBA, and they both won out. How can you either put something around them? You we see Milwaukee adding Drew Holiday and and Brogdon, trying to make that team more appealing to Giannis so he'll want to stay. Can the Rockets do anything? Can they make any moves? We saw them trade Covington for a reason. Now they trade Ariza to Detroit for some uh, first-round draft pick. What can the Rockets do to make it appealing for those guys to stay if you're not going to trade them before training camp? Uh, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, it's, it's not much they can do. They're pretty limited in, in, in the transactions they can make because, I mean, they don't have, they don't like, they just acquired recently, like I said, with the Covington trade, some draft picks. But other than that, I mean, they would need draft picks, which they recently didn't have until a couple of days ago. They would need draft picks and, you know, some, some players that's worth, that's trade worthy. And they don't really have the guys that are trade worthy that, that's going to bring back pieces or draft picks that they need. You know, to to open up and and make the moves that they make that they need to make to to satisfy you know the personnel that needs to be that needs to surround those two superstars. Now, another thing we heard of uh, some of the rumors, a lot of stuff going around. Obviously, the NBA draft was last night. Boston trying to possibly move Kimball Walker and Gordon Haywood, trying to make room and get the assets that it takes to make a run at Harden for the Boston Celtics. What do you think about that situation and the possibility of Boston trying to put some things together to make uh, make it possible for James Harden to play with them? Uh, man, that's I don't like it. I don't like it for the simple fact that I think that team, they're right there. I think Kim was a great leader and point guard for that system with the young guys that they have in Tatum and, and Brown. I think if you put James Harden over there, that, that changes the growth of your two young stars that you have, right? I mean, you know, because James is, James is more of a score, dominant ball handler. Uh, as opposed to Kimba, who you know who, who's been a dominant ball handler and scorer, but he was that was on a bad team. He showed that hey, I can lead a team, I can defer, I can get guys involved, and then I also can still you know do do what I have to do when when the time is needed. Uh, so yeah, I really don't like that situation if James Harden was in Boston. See, a lot of these things don't really like it sounds good and look good on paper, but when you really think about it from a basketball standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, it really doesn't fit. Right. So even with James Harden going to Brooklyn, does that it like that's powerful and there's yeah. there'd be high expectations. But does that really does that per, do they really fit together? Does Katie and, and Harden I mean, yeah. and, Kyrie, and Kyrie fit together like on, like realistically they don't. And that's what I thought. I thought the same thing. Like, everybody wants to make these teams like this is a video game. But you saw, even when Russell Westbrook came, I'm like, I, I don't, I just don't feel like that that is a fit for them. I just, I never thought it was a, a good fit. And, and really, to their credit, I think it went better than some people thought it was going to go. I think that they got along better, seemingly, but now both of them worn out. What about Russell Westbrook? What do you do with him? Uh, I mean, what if you can move him and maybe keep Harden or or vice versa? What can you do and what could you possibly get 
for Russell Westbrook. I heard about the the tr- the potential trade to Washington for John Wall, which I thought was ridiculous. I, no way in hell I would do that. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, yeah. Hey. So I mean, what do you? What's out there that you can get for Russell Westbrook? That kind of lets you know what's out there. Like, I, and that, that's not to say Russell Westbrook is still a really good player. But just based on where he's at now in his career and the money that he's making, it makes it hard to get off of West Westbrook. So it's going to be limited. You know, it's going to be, I think, even more limited opportunities to find a situation that works to, to trade Russell Westbrook. And I'm with you. I don't think it's no way the Rockets can trade Russell Westbrook for John Wall coming off the injury he's coming off. Like that would be totally that wouldn't make sense at all. Yeah, I think that's something Ryder came up with that idea. I don't think that's that was rooted in truth at all. When you look at a situation with Russell Westbrook and James Harden, we see guys in the NBA more than any other league kind of throw tantrums to get their way out. And I know Anthony Davis did that. But Anthony was opting out at the end of the year. So he didn't have two years. He had the rest of that season. But still, he just stopped showing up and stopped playing. He just kind of checked out on his organization. Do you see anything like that happening as it pertains to Harden or Westbrook? No, I don't think so. Like you said, because they have, they have two years left on their deal. That's why the Rockets have the upper hand. The organization, the Rockets, they have the, they have the upper hand in, in, in how this thing actually plays out. They don't have to make a decision this season, you know. So they don't have to make they don't have to make a trade. Uh, they they can take their time and kind of figure out the best thing that's that's best for the organization. While also possibly trying to you know trying to do what's right by you know especially James Harden, a guy that's that's taking your organization to where it's at now, and, and he's been great for the organization. But yeah, the Rockets got the upper hand as long as they don't fall for the okie doke and do something crazy like. They should they should be they should take their time and find exactly what they need or think they need and want from the right trade partner. And and I, I will say this: I have at times beat up on James Harden, and and the Houston basketball fans have sort of been on his case for a while, saying, uh, you know, you have sort of two camps: those who believe in him, and those say, well, hey, he has a limit; he's not going to get a championship done. But I wonder if the city of Houston is ready for the rebuilding process you can do it right but most of the time it takes a long time you look at what happened to dallas how long it's taking them to get back and finally having Doncic and and porzingis and getting it going finally after winning a championship you know several years ago you look at other teams man they have not for you know 10 12 years haven't been able to put it back together do you think a rebuilding process can Take, we'll take that long here in Houston, and then what do you think the fans will, will be like here in Houston if you don't have any stars to to root for? Uh, honestly, man, I, I think like the Houston sports world, and not just basketball fans, but just the Houston sports world. Like we, we're not like a like a Boston or you know or New York or Chicago type city where we are on these organizations for not doing for not making and doing, you know what I'm saying, doing some of the stuff that we know that they should do or shouldn't do. So just like the whole, the the Texan situation with O'Brien trading Hopkins, right? Yeah, you had people who, like, knew that was crazy, but it wasn't an uproar of, like, man, like, he got to go, right? It wasn't <laughs> an uproar of fans. Like, that's what it should have been. Like, you can't trade a player like that and get and get what you get back and then start the season the way you started. And, and it's like, the fans should have been on him, like, from – from the moment that he made the trade, but I think Houston See, fans are just we we kind of go along with whatever, and we we're, we're diehards by default. Well, see, this is what I say about Houston fans, because Kevin Allen and I get into this all the time. And it's like, okay, I think the way Houston fans respond is, hey, on to the next thing. Like, if you're not going to provide, we just going to check out. And I think that's what happened with the Texans some time ago with Bill O'Brien. So, you know, it's not like this passion – which is different from the East Coast. Like, we're, we're more like the West Coast fans. Like, if you're not playing well, yeah, we're not happy about it. We're going to complain, but we're going to spend our money somewhere else. We're going to do something else. We're just not going to. That's sort of my take on it. And you wish that the fans had more of an impact. But I also think Houston media is also in bed with these organizations so much that you don't hear the kind of, you know, you don't hear guys on the radio day in and day out or, or columnists railing against these organizations like they do in Philadelphia, New York, and Boston. So, you know, I, I take up for the fans a little bit in that, yeah, I, they're, they're knowledgeable. They know and they understand. 
But they also realize, okay, we have no power in this thing, and if they're not going to do the right thing, we'll just watch something else. I, I don't know. What's your take on that? I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I agree to a certain extent. Like I said, I just think I, the Houston fan base is 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 passive when it when it is uh, is passive when it comes to situations like that. And as far as like if James Harden and Russ were to get traded. Uh, it would be tough though, considering, like I said, James has been here for what eight, nine, years, eight, nine seasons now. He's been great just about every season. He's turned into an MVP, uh, you know, MVP candidate for the last four or five years. He's won it one year. He's been leading score. Like, so it'd be different not having a, a, a superstar on the team. How would the fans actually react? I'm not sure they would be, you know, I'm not sure they would throw a fit about it. Right, right. Because I get a lot of people saying they want him gone. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. I want to ask you about a couple of other things around the NBA. Chris Paul going to the Suns. I think that's pretty big. What do you think that will do for that organization? Now you have Aiton and Devin Booker and you have some other young pieces around there and you add a veteran like Chris Paul. What do you think that will do for that organization? Because what Chris Paul did in OKC was amazing with the talent. that I mean, he had young talent around him, but – they did work, and I mean, they were really, really good with him. What do you think he adds to Phoenix? I think the the possibilities, the things that's possible in, in Phoenix are even greater than what he did in in OKC, for the simple fact that you have a you have a borderline all star. Or he, I mean, based on his talent, he's already an all star. He just he just needs a, a better record regular season to you know to help him get that to get that vote in Devin Booker. So I think, you know, obviously Devin Booker game goes to another level. Like I said, he's already at a high level. I think, he, you know, he he actually becomes an all-star now playing alongside Chris Paul. And I think DeAndre Ayton goes to another level. So you got two young stars along with Chris Paul who got a chance, you know, to play with a great point guard like him and enhance their games and make the game easier for them. Uh, but, I mean, a lot of some other stuff has to happen for that team for, you know, they, they got to fill out that bench and, you know, and get some production there. But, uh, I, I think they're going to have a pretty a pretty good season uh, with, with the addition of Chris Paul. And we have breaking news that Klay Thompson did, in fact, suffer an Achilles tear. He's out for the year. Man, that is such a devastating blow for all the basketball fans. But really, you wanted to see – I mean, like any fan, you want to see – Unless you're a fan of a specific team, you want to see the best go against the best. And what would the West look like where they fully stopped – Golden State Warriors team. Now you lose him. What do you do if you're Golden State? They have some moves they can make if they want to pay big time money into the luxury tax. Uh, uh, luxury tax. Uh, what do you do if you're Golden State now that you lose one of the Splash Brothers? Man, that's tough. That is tough, man. Like I said, it sucks for real for real basketball fans around you know around the around the world because you want to see. I mean, you want to see. Even though you might not be a Golden State fan, like you, they're entertaining. They're a good team to watch, especially when they're healthy. You have those two guys on the court, him and Clay and Steph, and the rest of their the rest of their team. So I mean, it, that that sucks to see that that Clay has suffered this season-ending injury uh, again. And uh, I don't know, I don't know where I don't I, actually I, I could. I don't know where the Warriors go from here. Because they're still I mean, good, if you think about it. They add Wiseman last night in the draft, so they got a, a athletic big, although he's young. He's a kid, 18 years old. I mean, you, you have him now, but you have Draymond. You still have Steph Curry coming back. You still have Andrew Wiggins. So you have so, you have some talent there. What do you think they can do now that they are not going to have – I mean, how far can they go – uh, without Clay Thompson, I don't think that unless they're able to make some type of trade and acquire another. Because I mean, Clay Thompson was your second star, and you was hoping that Andre Wiggins could fill in the role and be your third score, uh, as opposed to now his responsibility is back to being like it was in Minnesota, where he was a one option or a two option, and that and that hadn't played out for him quite well in those situations. So we'll see, man. See how you know how good Steph Curry. I mean, we know Steph Curry is great. You know, can care can can Steph Curry? You know, can he carry the load and improve his game and show that you know that he's he can basically be a one man team because that's basically what it would be because Draymond Green's not a scorer, you know. And like I said, Andrew Wiggins has some talent, but he's proven thus far that he you know that he can't carry he can't carry that load being that type of player. 
And so, I mean, we have to see how good Steph Curry will be this season. So let me ask you this, and this is sort of a basketball kind of – again, we want to tap into your knowledge of basketball. You see a guy like Andrew Wiggins, and it seems like we know exactly who he is. But then, of course, this will be his second season, his first full season, I think, in the with Golden State. How much can a player improve after so many years? Like, how many years in before we know exactly what he is and what he's maxed out to be? Or, or, you know, have you seen guys get to year five, year six, and something happens, maybe a coaching change, maybe a team change, and they're able to hit a level that no one knew that they could hit? Does that exist? Or pretty much three, four years in, we know who guys are, and that's just who they are going to be? Well, in most situations, it is what it is. So, like for Andrew Wiggins, who's coming to the league, and he's played right away from the jump, right? In his situation, yes, it, it is like we know what it is. Andrew Wiggins, he's he's not a franchise type player, and he's not a superstar, and he's probably not an all star unless he's on a really good team, and you know he's able to play a, a key role as like the third wheel, which that's what you know possibly we could have seen in Golden State had they had a full team. But for some guys, that is the case. Like you just maybe a guy who you, you were drafted high, and you you went to a good team early, and you you never really got a chance to play, and then. Uh, wasn't the right situation for you for your first few years and then you, you free agency or you get traded and now you're in a better situation where you have better opportunities and then like it's year four or five and you're like man i didn't know this kid was that good well the opportunity hadn't presented itself yet for that player to to show and prove so you know like i said it's it's it's, it's different for each individual for but for an individual who's coming to the league and, and has played right away I mean, and it, and it hadn't worked out for the first five or six years. It like you you understand exactly what it is. Like, all right, this he, he's not as good as we thought he could be. He's reached his ceiling. The only player that I can think of off the top of my head, without giving it much thought, is a guy like Kyle Lowry, who was here in Houston, and then he seemed to reach another level in Toronto. Am, am I right about that, or, or we sort of overlooked him here in Houston? No, I mean, right. Like I said, it's you're right. No, I think, uh, like I said, just situations make players, right? Unless you are, unless you are a bona fide superstar who can go to any team and, and, and do what you have to do and possibly make that team better. The other 95% of the league and the other 90% of because you got, they would say, let's say 5% is, are your superstars or 3% are your superstars and then another 10% is your all-stars. The rest of the league is made up of role players. So it's all about being in the right fit for those guys who are not bona fide stars. Yeah, I want to ask you a couple things before we get out of here. About the NBA draft last night, we saw the kid Edwards go number one. We saw Wiseman go to Golden State, which I think is great for them. And then LaMelo Ball, Obi Toppin is a guy that his name has come up over and over again. What do you think about last night's draft? Anything, any impact players that you think will really help their team elevate to the next level this season, just right out the gate? It's hard to say. I think that Minnesota made the right choice by taking Edwards number one overall based on what they need and the fact that he's a really good player. But based on what they need, they already have a playmaker in D'Angelo Russell, and then you already have an all-star caliber player uh, both, but also a caliber player in 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 Cat and uh, Carl Anthony Towns down low. You base you needed a guy on the wing who can who can, you're like kind of like your third wheel or your second you know your whatever however you want or your two B option whatever the case may be. You needed that guy on the wing who could, who could be a scoring threat and uh and score the ball. And he had I think Anthony Harris has all those tools from Minnesota. We talked about Wiseman. I think that was a good pick for the Warriors based on what they needed also. Like I said, based on their personnel. But for somebody who, who I think got drafted and is going to be an immediate impact, it's hard to say with this draft. It's hard to say because, like I said, with the personnel with, with Charlotte, I think LaMelo Ball might be the most ready guy as far as like being able to step into that role and, and embrace it and, and do well right away. But also the personnel there in and Charlotte is not favorable to him. You you just you signed Terry Rozier last year. You you drafted the kid from Kansas who had a big season last year. Like, so I mean I don't know. And the kid Obi Toppin, he's I think he's a great player. I think he was worthy enough to go to number one overall myself. But then I don't think it's a good fit for him in New York. I mean New York, you got a plethora of of power fours already, and and Julius Randle and and Portis and whoever else you got over there at the power four position. Like, why would you draft Obi Toppin? Right, unless you're gonna move one of those guys. Well, yeah, and, let, and which possibly which it could be, but like it just don't look good on the surface. 
Yeah, and, and, and are there any guys that we haven't talked about that you think will make pretty good NBA guys uh, and have good careers in the NBA? Uh, I think the kid Tyrese Maxey, I think where he landed in Philly, I think that's a good situation for him. And I, and I like him coming out of Kentucky, a kid from Texas, from the Dallas area. I think he'll be ready to go right away. It'd be interesting to see how RJ Hampton, if he's able, if he's able to get some minutes in Denver, that could be promising for him and that young team and where they're going. Another kid from Texas, the kid Halliburton. I've seen a little bit of him at Iowa State, and it'd be interesting to see what he what he does. I think he's NBA ready right now too. I think he's ready to go right away. In a regular year, how much do you get to see? You know, in a, I mean, obviously with COVID and everything, it being disrupted. But in a normal year, and and obviously you were gone for you know parts of it overseas. Were you? How much were you able to watch college basketball and see these guys? How much basketball do you watch? I watch it all the time, man. Even overseas, like I'm staying up. You know, because, I mean, there's nothing else to do. So even with a seven, eight-hour time difference, if it's a big game, I'm staying up at least watching the first half, you know, unless it's one of the West Coast games. But I'm staying up at least watching the first half of a college or, or NBA game. What do you think about – it used to be if you were a lotto pick, you were guaranteed all-star. And obviously now the guys leave earlier and earlier, and, like, you're drafting younger and younger guys – you don't see that anymore. Like, you have a guy, a list of lottery guys that, I mean, maybe half of them may be all-stars. I mean, you can kind of count on to be all-stars. What do you think about the evolution of basketball in that way? Because it used to be, man, if you, were a, if you got in the lottery, you were guaranteed a star unless you just missed on a guy. And now it's like, okay, we know two or three guys really are pretty much safe bets, but everybody else, ah, you're taking a chance. What do you think about that? Uh, like I said, uh, you, you hit on it with the fact that the, the youth, the guys coming out after one year, guys, you know, basically coming out of high school again, but, you know, not going, they're not even going to college and going, you know, going to alternate route, going to overseas, whatever the case may be. I think that has a lot to do with it. But, I mean, even, even let's just say 10, 20 years ago, I mean, for the most part, unless we talking about the 84 draft, right, uh, unless we talking about 2003 what? draft, other than that, like it's it's hit, it's always hit or miss. Well, I mean, you, you have pre- you had guys. I mean, eighty five was Ewing. You know, eighty four was Dream. Ralph Sampson right. was the year before that. I mean, you. I mean, and then you had like Doherty in that mix, and uh, you know, you've had guys even like the late Lynn Bias who never got to play. You knew he was going to be a star. You know, and now you. I don't know. You know, I'm an old time basketball guy, so. You know, I've seen the evolution, and I get it, and you want the kids to get paid, but it doesn't do a lot for the NBA because you pay a guy two or three years before you know if you got something almost. I mean, like, look at Wiseman. Wiseman, 18 years old. What? Okay, he, he – you know, you never know about his maturity. I'm just I'm just picking him out of the blue. Right, right. You don't know no, about I'm, his I'm, maturity, and then you look up, and maybe after two or three years he'll get it, and – now he's what you would want, but because he didn't have those years in college to really grow and, and mature as a man, not just as a player, but as a man, you're going to be paying him a couple years and maybe not know what he's going to be. I'm going to give you a couple of prime examples of how, like, the lottery is just, it's really just based on what you really like at that time and, uh, and, and a hopeful wish that these guys turn into what you think they can turn into. So let's take... Even though Steph Curry was having, he had a great college career. Let's take Steph Curry, right? There was a lot of, lot of negative talk about what he couldn't do, what he wasn't going to be able to do. His size, yeah, uh huh. Right, right, right. So nobody could ever would have ever thought that Steph Curry was turning into one of the best players in the NBA, right? Steph Curry, you take a guy like Russell Westbrook, who wasn't even a star on his team in, in college. He was like third or fourth best. You know, he was third or fourth best player on his team. Yeah, right. He gets he gets drafted as high as he got drafted, top five pick, and he turned into a superstar. Guy like Kawhi Leonard, who you had never heard of really in college, and he turns into a like so. It's really like I said, it's hit or miss. Like you can never really like besides a, a select few of guys over the years, you can never really say like this guy's guaranteed to be. It's a handful of guys you can say, all right, I knew he was gonna be great. Right. So my last thing, and I, and I, I should have been, <laughs> I should have wrapped up along, but it's just so fascinating getting your take on these things. Lamelo Ball, he didn't, he went and played overseas pro ball. How much do you think that'll help him? It'll be interesting to see, like, he went around to just play pro ball for years, a couple years here. How much will that influence his play since you played overseas? Like I said, I think he's the most NBA ready based on his talent and, like you said, the preparation he's had to be a pro already. Uh, this kid left high school early as a junior, 
to turn pro and, and he's matured. And, it, you know, and I think that's what's going to be the biggest separation for him, you know, in his situation of, of playing and, and getting off to a good start is that he, he knows how to be a pro. He knows what it takes. He knows the language, he know, you know, he knows the business of it already a little bit more than these, uh, than these other guys uh, do. And so, like I say, and he has a brother who's in the NBA. So, I mean, he has a little advantage over the fact that he's already been primed and prepped for, for the professional life. Hey, man, how can folks reach out to you on social media if they want to say hello? Man, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. You can catch me at Mr. Daniel Ewing. That's M-R Daniel Ewing. And on my podcast, uh, it is I-W-A-A-D podcast. And that's IWAAD podcast for both Instagram and, and Twitter. It was all a dream. So if, you, if they forget that, yes, sir. it was all a dream. Hey, man, we certainly appreciate it. I kept you longer than I wanted to. But, man, it's such an interesting uh, opportunity to talk basketball with somebody who knows. So we certainly appreciate that. Man, Devin, all good. I always appreciate it, man. Want to thank Daniel Ewing for joining us this time out. We certainly appreciate his expertise. And when I say, hey, you know, I, I, t I held him longer than I wanted to, it means that I didn't want to take up too much of his time. But I just had question after question. Hopefully, if you guys have questions and you want me to ask him anytime, just hit me up and I'll let him know. 832-941-6614. Well, with that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, want to thank Daniel Ewing. Want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, Cobank Holmes. No Lamont Award this time. It just ran up against time. And I will take my vitamins and I will drink my vitamin, my my orange juice, my, get my vitamin C, and I will make sure that I take care of myself. I'm masking up and I'm washing my hands and I'm staying socially distant from just about everybody. So that's not an issue for me. But I, I uh, will have a podcast or two. It's Thanksgiving week so i have to let you know if we're gonna do two this week i'll let you know next time out that'll happen on tuesday and again 832-941-6614 and you can hit me up on a on twitter at wade's word and you can hit me up also on the sports talk with devin wade page and group and as always remember these four things Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.